first segment of Talk for Freedom. My name is Chuck Paul, and this is my partner. Hi, I'm Cece. A little bit about me. I am the owner of Chuck Paul LLC, which is a company of mine where I provide investigative services involving cases of missing persons, crimes against persons, and human trafficking cases. A little bit about my history. I started out as a U.S. Customs Officer in the Southwest border, and it was there that I learned about international human trafficking. From there, I went to go work for the Texas Department of Family Protective Services. I spent 12 years as a special investigator for the state. The last 10 years, I was assigned as the special investigative liaison for the Department of Family Protective Services to the San Antonio Police Department Special Victims Unit Major Crimes Division. In 2016, I stepped out of civil service to help establish a 501c3 to help programs develop for juvenile victims of sex trafficking, and as well as open my business of Chuck Paul LLC. Cece, a little bit about you. Sure, so um, I'm Cece, and I'm the founder of A21 Freedom Chasers here in San Antonio. We are an A-team under the global A21 organization. Um, we bring awareness to human trafficking here in San Antonio. Um, we have an annual walk for freedom that we host in downtown San Antonio. So um, I am a mom of two teenagers, and that's kind of how I got familiar with the topic of human trafficking and how bad the, um, the situation or the issue is here in our city. So um, I went to one of Chuck's talks over at the San Antonio um, SAS, San Antonio Against Slavery. Against Slavery. And uh, Chuck was speaking about the topic of human trafficking, and I became intrigued with all of the knowledge that he had. And since then, we've kind of come together and worked on this issue here in our city. Chuck's been to um, one of our walks and has actually been our speaker. And so um, we thought that this would be a great idea to come together and kind of share some of the knowledge that, that we both have and talk about the issue and um, the severity of it and, and also talk about some of the um, shortfalls that we have in our city and in our state um, so that you all as, as our audience has a good understanding of um, some of the issues that are out there and what maybe you can help us with. And see, I get a lot of questions from different people that are hearing about human trafficking all the time on the news. They hear about human trafficking and human smuggling, and it's very hard to know the difference. And one of the main things I see is, see, is people talk about human trafficking. They immediately talk about, well, you know, it's happening in other countries and the border. So what I like to do is when I talk to people about trafficking, I like to first define what exactly it is and what it's not. So human trafficking involves the buying, selling, or trading of individual services, labor, or for sex without any financial gain by the victim. So what that means is that one person is enslaving another person. There's no compensation to the victim, and they're being forced to, to participate either in manipul manipulation, fraud, coercion, um, and there will be eventual physical assaults that occur. So. What that means is that this is a crime against a person and not a crime against an international boundary. So like a child sex trafficking, this is something where the victim is a child and the child is being forced to engage in a sex act with other individuals for somebody else's compensation. So what that means is, is that if you have a child that's being forced into sex trafficking, they may be having sex with an individual by the name of John and John is giving Steve favors or drugs or money and Steve is financially gaining 
or getting some type of compensation out of it. But usually with child sex trafficking, it's not just trading someone's sexual services. They also have these children engaged in stripping, escort services, and pornography. It's basically modern-day slavery. It's demeaning, degrading, and often life-threatening. And it's happening right here in your backyard and my backyard, not just in foreign countries. So human trafficking, the term has only been around since about 2000, but really what the term means is slavery. So anytime that we hear human trafficking, you should think slavery. And there's actually more slaves today than there are any, any other time in history, to include prior to the Civil War. It's estimated that there are more slaves collectively throughout the entire world right now. But since the late 1990s, the U.S. federal government has begun to recognize that this was happening, not just in foreign countries, but in our own backyard. So there's a difference between trafficking and smuggling. So trafficking, like I said, is a crime against a person, while smuggling is a crime against a border. So let me give an example. If I lived in a foreign country, let's say I was somewhere like Guatemala, and I wanted to come to the United States, but I didn't have a legal visa to do that, then I might pay someone to get me into the United States. If that person I paid got me into the United States, we were sitting in the middle of Houston, and he says, okay, I got you to Houston, you paid me your money, here we are, we're, we're done, then that's human smuggling. Neither one of us has actually committed a crime against a person, we've committed a crime against the border. However, on the flip side, if that person sticks me in the back of the truck and I get drove up to San Antonio and then I'm held there like a captive in order to be sold as a slave to work off a debt that I have no idea that I incurred, now it's become a human trafficking case because it's a crime against a person and not against the border. Right. So I've actually had several people um, ask me, you know, why are you fighting against human trafficking? You don't understand that these people are coming over for a better life. But then I have to go and educate them on the difference of human trafficking and human smuggling. Um, but I often tell them it's very uh, often that it occurs that human smuggling starts as smuggling and then it turns very quickly into human trafficking. And so when you know um, when you know those things, then you're able to identify it and you're able to know the difference. But but it's very often that it, it can turn into that. It can turn into a situation where traffic, where human smuggling becomes human trafficking. So we had a recent case here in San Antonio where initially the news media was, was, was broadcasting as a human trafficking case when actually it was a human smuggling case. It was a, it was a horrible human smuggling case in which the people who were being smuggled were then uh, because of the way they were being smuggled, they ended up, some ended up dying and being seriously hurt because they were held in the back of a refrigerator truck without proper air, without proper food or water, and therefore several of them overheated. But in fact, that was a human smuggling case, and I was contacted about that for comments about this human trafficking case, and I said, well, this isn't a human trafficking case. You need to contact law enforcement, and you need to talk to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security because it's actually a human smuggling case. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a good point, and I'm glad that we're talking about the difference and how it can be um, a human trafficking case after they're smuggled in. But um, thank you for clarifying on the, the difference between um, an offense against our border 
and an offense against a person. Um, Chuck, you talked about some of the um, numbers involving human trafficking and how we have more slaves today than ever before. That was the one statistic that when I started um, A21 Freedom Chasers, I just couldn't get off of my mind. Um, it, it just it just shocked me. I couldn't believe that we had people among us that looked just like us that were not able to enjoy the freedoms that we were. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look uh, like physical slavery, like where you're actually, you know, tied to chains. And in some cases, right, that is what happens. Yes. But not 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 as common as it was back in Civil War area, like you mentioned. Um, today, you know, talk to us a little bit about what what someone might look like, because um, because human trafficking is a is a broad term. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways and scenarios that it happens. Right. We have adults who are in. Are being trafficked we have children who are being trafficked we have sex trafficking we have labor trafficking we have organ trafficking so there's so many different ways that someone can be trafficked um, but the most common one here in our city is sex trafficking among children right correct well actually the most common in the united states is sex trafficking among women and children mm-hmm. so adult women and children are the two primary victims of sex trafficking in the united states doesn't happen doesn't mean it doesn't happen to men it does happen to men right um so but human trafficking takes like you said it has different versions there's peenage which means uh the person is someone's holding something over the top of somebody Mm -hmm. okay and then there's debt bondage which i talked about earlier where you know if it's i let's say i'm in the united states and i'm being forced to work off a debt but i don't know how much that debt is Mm -hmm. and every time i turn around that debt just keeps getting bigger that's debt bondage and then there's coercion where coercion is a lot of times what we hear with sexting and sexting is i've got a, a provocative picture of you and now i'm going to force you to do things for me and you know, maybe go sell yourself for sex because i'm threatening to release that picture that's coercion so those are different avenues of it so it's when it comes to sex trafficking in particular mm-hmm. sex trafficking is involving where Someone is forcing someone else to engage in sex acts for the profit of that in, that original individual. Um, it's it's very complicated because a lot of times people say, "Why don't they just run away?" But there's something that goes tra- called trauma bonding that occurs in sex trafficking. Right. Um, a lot of times, what happens is is you have to remember first off why it's so profitable. So sex trafficking is so profitable because let's put a few of the numbers out there. In the, in the entire world, estimated right now, to the, to, uh, as of the last report from the United Nations, human trafficking in its entirety, which means labor, sex, and organs, yes, they do trade organs, and they also trade children, is $150 billion a year international industry. It's estimated as a $50 billion a year industry just in the United States alone. So last year, the U.S. federal government spent $150 million with an M, Mm-hmm. to fight this problem. That means including all services, programs, and law enforcement. They were being outspent. It was right. a very lucrative business throughout the entire world. Um, so, and this is something that happens across the board. Now, 68% of the individuals that they estimate worldwide are being forced into labor, while 25% of those victims are female I mean, I'm sorry, 25% of those victims are children, with 55% of them being female. Now, um, throughout this entire business chain, this is something that happens throughout the entire world. But let's just here talk about here locally. So locally here in San Antonio, 
Um, sex trafficking is the primary thing that we're going to see here. And usually sex trafficking involves, like I said, women or children. Yeah. So let's just put the numbers out there. Based on the current price of things that are on these dark sites, that are on these dating sites that are commonly used, an average trafficker can make $632,000 a year here in San Antonio with a stable of four victims. Mm. Now, when I say the word stable, you were probably, your ears probably perked up. It's because the terminology that they use in this business is very degrading. Right. It, they treat people like livestock, like mm -hmm. a product. So instead of referring to them as a group or my friends, or anything, they refer to them as stable. Sometimes they'll call them terms like wifey or meat or sister wifey. Mm -hmm. It's very degrading. So I want you to imagine though that this victim is being forced to engage in sex acts, five, six sex acts every single night, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Well, that's over 2,000 sex acts in a year. So as you can imagine, they get very sick, they get injured, they're not, their bodies are beginning to break down and and eventually what's going to happen is is when they're not worth they're not able to be sold they're going to be sold in some other way right whether it's for labor or maybe even organs right or maybe even sold overseas so this is a huge factor and any effect in the fact that three billion dollars a year is being produced in child pornography just here in the united states that's in the united states with 55 percent of it being like cell phone videos that mm -hmm. are shot by individuals that's happening right here in our own backyard. Right. And a lot of times what we end up seeing is, is that we may see victims end up victimizing somebody else as a means to get out of the system. Yeah, yeah, we, I, I've seen that myself actually when, when dealing with some of these uh, young, young girls that we help out. Um, but wow, so, so you hear all of the um, physical breakdown of our bodies and whatnot, but you know, you also have to think about the, the mental mm -hmm. aspect of that. And some, some of, you know, some of these um, victims and, and survivors end up, um, you know, getting over the whole aspect of, of their situation and what they've been through. But some of them, it's a lifelong struggle, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something that they're able to get through. Um, and, and so I'm a, I'm a Christian and I know Chuck is as well. And, um, you know, I think about human trafficking and I think about all of these things that happen. And I just, I often think that it's probably the most evil thing that in the dark world that could occur. When you think about a young child, right, the most vulnerable in our human race and species um, being raped, but being raped multiple times a day throughout the years and then sold, I mean, how, how degrading is that, right? And so it, I, I just keep thinking about how that's probably the most evil thing in the world. So it, it takes all of us, it takes, it takes you know, uh, every single person doing their part. If, you, if you're not able to educate yourself on it, you can pray about it, you can um, find out, tell your children about these things. You wanna make sure that they know what to look for and how not to be you know, recruited in, in school. There's a lot of, I think one of the biggest things that I've heard other um, leaders in our city who also fight against human trafficking talk about is how in our homes we should be the ones to display love as parents to mm -hmm. our children because that's one of the biggest lures that they get from traffickers is you know these when you think about these people they're professionals at what they do mm -hmm. and so they they will wait and find the vulnerability in your child in you as an adult 
and um, that's how that's how they lure you into um, being trafficked or being coerced or sending over a provocative picture or a nude picture and then they hold that over your head and you end up doing things that you never thought would uh, occur to you but um, so Chuck in your experience what are some of the things that you've seen with the kids here at school what are what are some things that happen here that we should look out for and uh, be aware of so it usually starts with so typically uh, it starts with that one vulnerable child. And that vulnerable child is usually that kiddo that we see in the school. We all have them. You know, that kiddo that, that feels disconnected for some reason. Um, a lot of times these traffickers like to target younger children that are in middle school. Because if you remember when you were in middle school, I was pretty awkward in middle school. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had a, you know, that's when we started having self-esteem questions about who we are. Because we're not quite a child. We're not quite an adult yet. So they target middle school kids in particular to get them started. And of course, that doesn't mean they won't target an adult female or a high schooler. They'll target whoever they can. Yeah. But middle school children in particular are favorite because of the fact that they're very um, unsure of themselves. And that's kind of the, the theme here in San Antonio, right? That's, that's our biggest issue, is those young people between those ages in middle school, right? Well, in particular, the average age of a sex trafficking victim in San Antonio right now is 15. Okay. Um, but if you think about it, that they, they started much younger. And yeah. what, when we have interviewed these victims, what they're saying is, is that the majority of them have history of previously being sexually assaulted prior to the age of 13 or right around the age of 13. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean um, they say it was non, most of them call it non-consensual contact, which means they felt like they were forced into having sex by an older boy or they were sexually molested by a parent or a relative or even a neighbor, or they may have been sexually assaulted and raped, or they may have been um, trafficked. Um, but these are several of the victims. They talk about early sexual contact. And we have to think about the fact that we have a very hyper-sexualized hyper society right now. Mm -hmm. And because parents are, I'm just gonna be frank, because the hearts of the fathers are not turned toward their children right now, we spend a lot of time on our iPads and our cell phones and, and a lot of time plugged into various, we have five or different screens going on, yeah. while we neglect the very thing that's sitting in front of us, which is our child, who's also got five or six different screens going on. Right. And they're being bombarded with sexual imagery. Let's for a per, perfect example. Are you familiar with the Usher, Nicki Minaj video, Little Freak? No, I'm not, but I'm sure our audience is. <laughs> okay, so Little Freak uh, goes what I like to call sex trafficking 101, okay? So what that goes along the lines of is usually what's happened is, is that the trafficker was not going to walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know, you're young, you're impressionable, I'm going to take you, grab you by the hair, put you in my dark van and sell you for sex. That happens sometimes, but that only happens a very small percentage of the time. Mm -hmm. The majority of the time, the trafficker would use that one vulnerable child in school. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they have that vulnerable child that they manipulate, they start talking to them online, they start engaging them and sending them gifts. Usually iTunes cards is one of the first ways they start sending them gifts because it's untraceable to the parents. The parents don't know they have it. If your child suddenly had a Gucci purse, you would want to know where it came from. Right. But if they have an iTunes card with a lot of money on it, you don't know what they've got there. Right. So they'll begin by sending gifts to this child. They'll begin by telling them how pretty they are, how smart they are. And over a period of a long periods of months, sometimes years, they'll manipulate this child over online. What you have to remember is they're not doing it to just that child, they're talking to several children. 
So eventually a trafficker gets somebody to run away and go meet this fictitious boyfriend figure that they believe is going to be their Prince Charming that's going to give them everything they want. In the meantime, he's he's poisoned them against their parents and told them how terrible their parents are and how their parents don't really love them and don't appreciate them. So this child runs away. Well, within a very short time, this trafficker is turning that child out, trafficking them. But the trafficker knows he can make $632,000 a year if he has three more children. So what he'll do is he'll tell that child, listen, we want to have this great life. We want to have all these great things. Uh, you want to stop doing this to make money? Well, here's how we do that. You go back to home, you go back to school, and bring your friends to me, and then they can do this, and then you won't have to. Yeah. So what they'll do is then they'll go back home, they'll go back to school, and they'll start talking to their friends about their older boyfriend and about how much she parties with them and about how the great things they have. And they're going to have the flashy clothes and the flashy the, the nice cell phone cover and everything else. Their parents might even not know they have that because they've learned how to sneak that around. They may even have the iPhone 10 that they keep hidden in their locker. Other kids want to go to that party. They get these other children to introduce this trafficker. And eventually, yes, they recruit these other children. And at that point, that child leaves that school, runs away again. And that's why we see them running away in groups of like three and four. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the ways that they recruit. Um, once they have those children, then they're going to probably, because of those children that are initially moved, they're going to try to move them around. That's why we call it the triangle here in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a group of San Antonio children, you're going to want to get them to Houston, Austin, or uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area as quickly as possible. Right. And that's because you want to create a trauma bond with them where they feel as though their only resource and protection is you, the bad guy. And so eventually when they go back to San Antonio, they're telling them the whole time, if your parents knew what you did, they would think you were dirty, they would call you whore, they would think that you were trash. And I know what's happened to you and I'm the only one that can love you. Right. Yeah, so there's a lot of manipulation involved. And, and especially at that age when you are, you know, like you said, you're kind of awkward, you're, you know, growing into the person that you're going to become. You're not even sure of the friends that you have because everybody's changing. Mm -hmm. So when they start to manipulate you, you believe those lies. And, of course, if they don't have any contact with their parents, then they're never fed anything positive or good or and and they sometimes they are but it's mostly just to keep them in that game right so oh, yeah. so yeah that's if i'm an educator and now that i know that these children are recruiting other children in school what are some of the things i should look out for is there anything that can um i guess um, that i can use to say okay i really feel like this child there's something going on here well First thing is, an educator, you have to know the signs. You have to what we call, keep calling these signs red flags. So I'm gonna, what you need to do is learn these red flags. And one of the best tools that I have had a part in providing is the Red Flags online course, which actually is something I worked out with third millennial online classrooms. And it's an online course that you can take to learn all about what human trafficking is, what sex trafficking is, what the red flags are. And it's something that you can take, it's a two hour long course, but you can take it five minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time, load it on your cell phone, take it here and there. And it helps provide you with the tools you need. Because one of the most important things as a parent is to be a parent. Right. And as a parent, an educator, or anyone that works with children, you need to know the red flags of trafficking because if you don't know them, 
it's going to be used against children that you care about and love, children in your care. Right. So one of the first things I tell educators, I tell medical professionals, anyone who works with children, you need to go learn about the red flags of trafficking. And that's things like if you've got a child that's in your classroom that was engaged with certain things. Let's say you had a child in your classroom that was in the drama club and they played sports and they were doing well in class. And then all of a sudden their demeanors changed. Mm -hmm. They run away and now they come back and now they've quit drama club, they've quit the sports, they're not doing well in school, they seem to be preoccupied with something else. When you hear them talk, they're always talking about or concerned about money and that's because their value is making money for that trafficker, but you don't know that. This child may wear hypersexualized clothes or clothes that you know that they're changing into there at school. Um, They're always talking to other children about my older boyfriend and going to parties and they may be very distracted in class. You may even notice signs that you think maybe that they're using some types of substances or they're not sleeping well at night. They're tired, they may sleep off in class. And that's because yes, they are up all night making money for that trafficker. Right. But these are basic signs that you do learn about. Yeah. I talk about it as the ABCs of trafficking, being having the what, knowing what the appearances are, the behaviors and the communication skills. So communication skills would mean like knowing the terminology. So if you hear words like bottom, or backdoor, or stable, or wifey, or sister wifey. You start hearing the terminology like daddy. Now daddy, we think about a father, but you know, odd times these traffickers like to be called daddy because they're actually trying to replace all other connections beside themselves. They're trying to replace the parents. And I've even known traffickers that have been in communication with children. And if the child says, well, I have to go do my chores. My mom has me doing my chores. The trafficker will say, well, you and I can't be friends anymore or we can't engage because he's because you're doing your chores, you're doing what your mom says. They actually get punished for doing what their parents say hmm. as part of the manipulation process. That's, yeah, that's terrible. But um, yeah, thank you for that. One of the, you mentioned Red Flags, the uh, curriculum that you worked on, and um, one, of the, one of the things that I really enjoyed about that curriculum was um, how practical it is, how realistic the scenarios are. Uh, I think it's so important for anyone who has any contact with children. If you maybe uh, you don't have any small children in your home anymore, but maybe you're a Sunday school teacher or something like that, you really need to go out there and and get that curriculum, study it, share it, maybe show it in a group setting so that um, you know you can become really familiar with what to look out for. It's it's happening now. It's happening in our city. It's happening in our backyard. Um, I can't tell you how many times people have said, oh, that story that came out about this victim that was trafficked was my neighbor, or this victim lived on the same street. I mean, it happens, it's real, unfortunately, and it's something that we're trying to get ahead of by helping to prevent it to share uh, by sharing awareness. And so um, thanks for mentioning that curriculum. You guys can go check out Chuck's website where he promotes that. You can check out Third Millennial. Um, classrooms where they have that as well and we have that on our site a21freedomchasers.org you can visit us on our Facebook pages and we have that curriculum on there as well so Chuck if people wanted to get a hold of you and maybe have you come and speak at any of their um, you know schools or churches or anywhere um, where could they contact you so my website is chuckpaulllc.com and you can just go to chuckpaulllc.com. It actually gives you at the bottom of my welcome page, you'll get a little bio about myself. Yeah, so I have my calendar that says exactly what my availability dates are. And you can communicate me, with me directly through my website. 
give you an opportunity to send me messages. There's also a tab there that's marked red flags. And if you click on there, you can actually hit the link to go ahead and sign up and take the red flags course. As well as I provide free resources on there. I provide free resources, PDF resources like tip sheets and parents and how to, how to monitor your children, basically your child's internet capabilities. I uh, have blogs on there where I give you updates on, on useful information to help protect your family members and be aware of what trafficking uh, is occurring in your area. So these are all opportunities you have. So as we wrap this up, let's kind of wrap this up for this segment. Um, this is some basic overview about what trafficking is and right. what resources are available. We're going to talk more in detail about other resources as well as more about the sex trafficking and human trafficking that's occurring in our area. Yeah. And our next segment, we're going to go into some more definitions and I'm going to help break down actually what to look for as far as trafficking victims as well as what to look for as far as traffickers. Sure. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you going, uh, Chuck, sorry, <laughs> uh, going into this with us. And yes, we'll go into more detail. This is also a huge issue in Texas, so it, we'll go over that as well. Um, but thank you for listening to us, and we hope that you go out there and educate yourself. Share this podcast with anyone you know. Thank you.